Welcome to Multiversal Q, your guide of the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we have a special guest with us, mutual friend, more Devin's friend than mine, Andrew. Hello. Hello. I'm from Britain, and also the future. So you've come back to the future? Yes, yes I have. Yay, but relevant references... Yeah, and then it's not going to be relevant any time ever again. No. No, no it is not. So this week we are dealing with the Squadron Sinister. (gasps) And uh, the sort of Justice League uh, DC Universe equivalents. But uh, we're going to be dealing with this in two stories. And since Andrew is a person who has read a lot of old Avengers comics, and he is a person in our comic circle who is the most Avengers knowledgeable, we decided to bring I am the avenger Yes. So who was your favorite Avenger, Andrew? Out of every single Avenger. Stingray, obviously, guys. Oh, Stingray is amazing. I considered being Stingray for the Halloween special that's coming up. Oh, you should. Actually, I joke, but like, he was like my favorite character as a kid. Just like based off that one episode of the Iron Man cartoon he was in. (laughs) It's like how uh, for a while Moon Knight was my favorite uh, comic book character because uh, Tribe One had done a song with Adam Warrock about Moon Knight and it was a really good song. Because it was using the uh, regulators beat. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, I I don't care for any of the comics that have come out with him since until the uh, Warren Ellis run. Yeah, but who in the comics to, like, decide who your favorite comic character is? Yeah. Well, well, cutting it down to Avengers is easier. What about you, Devin? Who's your favorite Avenger? Um, probably Wanda. Just screw him with everything. Okay. Well, I'll go with Machine Man, because Machine Man is amazing. I mean, it depends what you qualify as an Avenger. I mean, Spidey's my number one of all time, but... Hmm. Yeah, like, like him and some characters. Like, yeah, technically he's an Avenger, but I don't really count him. Yeah, and we did have that uh, discussion before when all those lists of like the best Avengers of all time came out, and it was like they were ranked in terms of how important they were to the actual Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, I, like... I don't. Ex- I don't respect Wolverine and his Avenger. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you've got Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and like basically anyone else who hasn't had their own series, not as an Avenger, yeah. like kind of a main Avenger. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's get to the uh, first story that we are going to be covering, which takes place in the Avengers number 69 through 71, which were written by Roy Thomas with Sal Buscema as the artist. Sam Granger on inks, Sam Rosen on letters, and one thing that really bugged me is how Stan Lee like got the first billing as editor, which is a very Stan Lee thing to do. It doesn't bother me. That only bothers you, Luke. Yeah. 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 He's Stan Lee. He's got to get the credit. Yeah, our Avengers at the time are Yellow Jacket, Vision, Wasp, and... Goliath, who is currently Clint Barton Hawkeye, which is weird because this is like one of those things that I, I guess a lot of people forget. Yeah, like that confused me so much when I first got into comics because like suddenly Hank Pym is like two people. It's like my worst nightmare. 
Oh. Uh, yeah, they're visiting the hospital where Tony Stark is recovering from a heart attack because of reasons. Do you and, think he'll uh, be okay? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah. Uh, That's why we have uh, Tony Stark, who everyone just starts to call Tony Stark because they keep forgetting the W. Thor and Captain America come rushing in with a heart specialist for him. And meanwhile, like, Wasp ends up finding this glowing doll that turns out to be uh, the Growing Man, who is an old Thor villain who works for Kang. And it's just, like, so weird. Like, Growing Man as a concept, I guess. But, yeah, uh, he is a man who grows. Mm-hmm. And uh, it keeps growing bigger and kidnaps Tony. Goliath tries to stop him, but he just gets a headache. Yeah, he grows too fast and gets dizzy. Oh, which is my favorite than Hank Pym line. It's okay, Clint. I've never been proud of the man who succeeded me as giant man. It's like he didn't do shit. <laughs> All that's right, Pym, just like you. Oh. oh. Hey, Pym created Ultron. Yeah. Not well, has he done it yet? Uh well he was yellow jacket at this time and he also recognized who he was, but uh Wasp is still with him, so I'm not sure if they had identified that him had created Ultron yet at this time. Yeah. I feel no, like this is like good. only issue sixty nine, so I think it's maybe too early for Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so Growing Man shrinks back to human size and abducts Tony uh into a spaceship and the Avengers follow and it turns out that it's Kang's spaceship in the year four thousand. AD. Yes. Where uh, his love, Princess Ravana, is stuck in a crystal because of reasons. A king is like, you're going to serve me now. And all the Avengers are like, I don't know. So King sixes guards and one of them turns out to be Black Panther. He's like, hey, uh, Earth is on the line. And King is like, yeah, sorry, I probably shouldn't have demanded that you bow down to me like the slaves that you are. And... I feel like actually in the year 4000 AD, they've invented phones, right? You could have just rung the Avengers, be like, hey guys, Earth's in trouble, can you to do stuff? Yeah, well, and I mean, it's like, hey, I want you to protect the Earth, Avengers, and they would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense, we will do that. You don't need to, like, Shanghai them. And, like, even if it was just, hey, this guy promises he can help me get my princess back and this would end a lot of animosity, I think they'd still be pretty okay helping him out. I think so. But well, that's like 90% of 60s comic book plots is just like, hey, I need you to do a thing, but I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to punch you until you do it. Yep. And we see the, that like happen, I think, two more times in this series. Uh, like in these three issues that yeah. we're covering. But... uh. And- Including, like, my new favorite Captain America moment. Yeah. And uh, it turns out the Grandmaster, who is one of the, like, big ol' universal guys, has challenged uh, Kang to a chess match of champions for the power of the Grandmaster, which could save Ravana and the future Earth. And if they end up losing, future Earth will be wiped out of reality, as will past Earth. Which is like, why would he get into this? Like... I, I'm not entirely sure. And so no, this is not a good deal. He wants his girlfriend back. Yeah, but 
<sighs> Sigh. Uh, so he was drinking that day. He didn't think it through. Yeah. And speaking of drinking, King returns Tony to Earth so he can actually get that heart surgery that he needs. Which speaking of, how the hell is like Tony Stark in hospital for a heart attack and not like massive liver failure? Uh, I actually like looked into the story and it was some stuff with Madame Mask where uh, he was going to get heart surgery to like put in a mechanical heart and then uh, he ended up being so shocked when he found out that Madame Mask was the person he loved. And so that sent him into the heart attack, if I remember correctly. Oh, come on, Tony. Yeah. Also, yeah, alcoholic phase, that's not until, like, the 100, early 100 issues, I think. Yeah. And, uh, so Grandmaster shows up, and Goliath, Cap, and Thor are selected as the champions to fight on a simulcrum Earth. Which I thought was super unfair. How come, uh... The Grandmaster got to choose which ones went. Yeah. Because that's not the team I would have assembled. This, this entire game is, like, massively unfair. Well, that's why, like, Kang had to pick his best champions that he could find so they could be ready for any situation. Yeah, but you have Black Panther. I would have sent his ass instead of Goliath. Because oh. Black Panther would have, could have taken any of them on. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they end up finding who they're going to fight, who are Dr. Spectrum, Hyperion, Nighthawk and Wizard of the Squadron Sinister, who are all Justice League analogs, where Dr. Spectrum is your Greg Lantern, Hyperion is your Superman, Nighthawk is your Batman, and Wizard is your Flash. These ones make much more sense than the ones that happened in the Justice League one. Oh, yeah. So much more sense. But the one thing that really gets me, though, is how Hyperion just forgot to put trousers on. Yep. Well, he comes from an atomic world, so they are atomically small. That's that's the uh, no prize. And uh, so Grandmaster explains how the uh, world he is in works and how he is immortal. Because Kang is immediately like, yeah, I, I don't really want to do this. I'm just going to try and kill you. And he's like, screw that. And then Iron Man shows up and he's like, oh, I guess I'm on the team now. And we sort of get the... Uh, explanation for where the Squadron Sinister comes from, and they're sort of like hyper-cloned evil copies of heroes from another world. And, uh, yeah, it, like, it makes more sense when they reveal that there is actually a Squadron Supreme, but it's like, uh, okay, I, I don't get, I don't get this, but. Because honestly, yeah. it made it seem like they were from their Earth up until Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. It, it, I must just gonna pick random people and went like boom you're superheroes now. Mm-hmm. And uh so each of the members of the squadron is sucked into a diff er, is sucked into a portal to one of Earth's different monuments. And so the first one is Iron Man runs off to Taj Mahal to the Taj Mahal in India because he doesn't want to answer questions about why Tony Stark was getting attacked and Iron Man was nowhere around. Which this answers a huge, or raises a big question, which is, why do they all have to split up to go to the different monuments? Like, um, to me, it's like, let's just all go as, like, a foursome and, like, just thrash one of them and then just keep going. I, I guess it was against the rules or something, like, maybe Grandmaster put it in their heads on how it was supposed to go. Okay. Uh, well, I think maybe, because, like, doesn't Captain America have to stop Nighthawk before, like, he destroys the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, yeah, no, it's like the, Like, uh, maybe all of the squadron are planning to, like, destroy the monuments and the Avengers have to stop them? It, it's really unclear, because it's like, 
Oh, but, so as Pixels the movie turned into a comic book, wow, Pixels, way to rip off another thing. Yeah, it's like uh, Captain America is literally there to guard the Sentinel of, or he's like literally the Sentinel of Lady Liberty because Nighthawk is trying to both destroy him and steal the Statue of Liberty to destroy that as well. And it. Uh, I have a question there, guys. Obviously, I'm from Britain, so I don't know how these things work. Mm-hmm. But is the Statue of Liberty not like basically a building? Uh, oh, it is. Yeah, it's hollow so, on so, the inside. Like, just Nighthawk like can't just come in in his helicopter and pick the whole damn thing up. No, he could. It depends on how big your helicopter is. Yeah, and like one of those things is that the Statue of Liberty is like a lot smaller than it seems a lot of the time. Like, no, it, it's it, really not. Well, no, I mean, it's, like, really big, but at the same time, like, I always thought it was, like, 50 or 60 stories tall, and it's it's not. It's still a 20 to 30 story tall building that you're lifting with a helicopter, and it's not like it's, like, completely hollow or anything, so no, it would it would take a lot. Well, I see, a, what I'm saying is, I think these comics might be scientifically inaccurate. Oh, really? Oh, well, you might be right. Possibly. Yeah, uh, they get into a fight, and uh, Nighthawk ends up throwing a explosive at Captain America, who just bounces it off his shield, which knocks out Nighthawk. It's like, oh, like, that's literally how this is going to end. And, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, they kind of just thrashed him. Yeah. So Iron Man goes to face Dr. Spectrum and his power prism which is a worse version of the Greg Lantern battery. And it's like, oh, Iron Man recognizes your type of light energy and just blasts him with ultraviolet light, which cancels out his powers and stuns Dr. Spectrum. Correction, he does not recognize it. Dr. Spectrum is an idiot and flat out tells him what it is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then Hyperion goes to face Thor in Egypt and explains... How he came from an atom-sized world destroyed by a, quote, man-made cyclotron. And he was then empowered and enlarged by a uh, Grand Master. And Thor just throws Mjolnir fast enough that Hyperion gets shrunk back down to a tiny size and loses all of his powers. And it's like, damn, Mjolnir is like super broken. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is OP as hell. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, the last one is Goliath is trying to uh, protect Big Ben in Andrew's country, the Queensland. Yes, th- that is our clock. Like, it is the only way we know how to tell time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Black Knight shows up, and Goliath is like, hey, I've got to do something. And Black Knight's like, oh, I want to go and do something too. Let me help you. Giant person, and uh, uh, then he appears. He hits Wizard and Glass like, "Oh damn, you've hit him!" And he's like, "Oh go blimey, go!" Sorry, that's how we talk in London. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so Wizard just ends up getting hit with the ebony blade before uh, Goliath knocks him out, and uh, Grandmaster ends up getting pissed because Black Knight uh, interfered with the event and which is like why did you send him to such a freaking highly populated area yeah it's obviously gonna happen well and he never really 
said anything about other people interfering, and it's like he completely ignores the fact that the other Avengers trounced their enemies without breaking a sweat. Yeah, that's what really annoyed me, is that, like, Grimace is like, yep, it's a stalemate. It's like, oh, Avengers won, like, won three, maybe one. Yeah. And, uh, like, I thought it was going to be that classic, oh, uh, Squadron uh, Squadron Sinister wins a match, uh, Avengers win a match, Squadron uh, Sinister wins a match, Avengers win another match, or it all comes down to that last match. You know, it's just like, no, the Avengers are beating the heck out of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so Grandmaster is pissed, and he teleports the Avengers away, along with the Ebony Blade, just to be a dick. And, I'd do it, too. I, yeah. I'd do it. And Black Knight is freaking out, because this is his ancestral blade. And so he goes to his brazier of visions, and finds where the Vision, Black Panther, and Yellow Jacket are... Because they've been sent back in time to Nazi-occupied Paris. Wait. And there's another thing that I love here, too, which is, with all classic comics, which is, what if they had gone to different places? Because, like, Captain, if Captain America had gone up against Hyperion, Hyperion would have just beat his face in. Maybe. Other great stories. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, isn't it how it works that Captain America always wins because America? Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty and, much. Yeah. And so the Avengers who have been sent back in time run into uh, Human Torch, uh, Namor, and Captain America from World War II who have been suddenly teleported to uh, Paris. And Black Knight's like, oh, shit, if either side wins, we're going to have a core blimey crumpet. And uh, he tries to reach out to That is exactly the term he uses. Yes. (laughs) And so he tries to reach his sword, or reach out to his ebony blade, which brings him to the future. Uh, The Avengers end up knocking out the invaders. But uh, Grandmaster is like, oh yeah, uh, Kang, I'm really not happy that Black Knight did interfere, so I'm only going to give you the power of life or death. And... uh, the Avengers get free because of Black Knight, and King decides that he wants to kill the Avengers more than save his uh, love of his life. So he wishes for the power to kill the Avengers, getting very clear, and then Black Knight, who is an Avenger, just smacks him with the flat of the blade, one-shotting him, and Grantmaster's like, oh, fuck you, King. And then the Avengers get to go back to their time and invite Black Knight to join the team. And then he does. Yeah. And then we get the happy ending splash page. Yeah. You know, I hope this new Black Knight series is just, like, entirely him bitch-slapping people with his sword. Uh, I think it very well could be, because it's by the same guy who wrote Space Punisher. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I added that to my full list. Oh, nice. And then the second series that we are covering today are issues 2 and 3 of Justice League, Volume 1, which was written by Keith Giffen, J.M.D. Matisse, uh, pencils by Kevin McGuire, inks by Al Gordon, colors by Gene D'Angelo, and letters by Bob LaPan. And this story was so weird because, like, the Justice League series at this time, this was the famous run that ended up leading into Justice League Europe and Justice League International. And it 
is like a jam-packed story and it's a lot about the interpersonal stuff. But what we're more here to talk about is the champions of Angor, who are Wangina, Blue Jay, and Silver Sorceress, which uh, they really aren't as good analogs as the uh, Squadron Sinister were for uh, the Justice League, like the we had said. The only person who was obvious was Silver Sorceress. Well, yeah, she's quite obviously Scarlet Witch. Well, and then uh, Wangina is Thor because he's got like lightning powers and he's the barbarian type person. Yeah, but that's not shown right away, though. Yeah, and then uh, Captain Speed was dead, so he never got to show up in the issues. And uh, do you guys know who Blue Jay is? Only because I looked it up, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah I you ever supposed to guess that? Yeah, yeah, I. Like, apparently these guys had shown up earlier in a issue of the Justice League of America, where I guess it may have made more sense, but I could not get access to that issue because it's in, like, a $40 collection and it's not on, uh, Comixology. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, DC. Yeah. But yeah, Blue Jays, Yellow Jacket listeners. Yeah. Well, Ant-Man, because and you can... can shrink, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and Which, so, that was also very unclear. I never noticed him shrinking. Yeah, he didn't shrink at all, so I think that may have been something left over from, like, the previous issue where he showed up. Anytime he was small, I just assumed it was he was, like, further in the background. Yeah. And, essentially, uh, the trio left their own world after a nuclear holocaust and came to Bialia, which this was the first appearance of Bialia, which if you watched the uh, Young Justice series was a really big part of that. And they wanted to destroy all the nuclear weapons. Uh, the dictator Ruman Hajaravdi uh, tried to uh, use them to destroy the nuclear weapons of his enemies, thinking that they were idiots. That really didn't work. Justice League tried to deal with them, but they were caught up with their own like infighting. Mostly and- Guy Gardner infighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you had been talking, or you guys have been talking about, like, how weird it was that Guy Gardner was such a jerk. But I think it's, like, one or two issues later where you get the one-punch scene where Batman just one-shots uh, Guy Gardner in the face. Which, like, his behavior here makes it so worthwhile. And that's fair, but it's just, like, I don't get why people enjoy him. Because you're saying it's, like, he's a dick and all, but he's, like, not a fun dick. Yeah, he's just a dick. He becomes more fun later on, but here he's like... The, later on, though. Yeah. Here, though, he's like ultra-conservative. He's like a Ronald Reagan Republican. Yeah. Because like Eric O'Grady, that was the person I was comparing him to. He's like a dick, but he's like a fun dick. I enjoy Eric O'Grady's antics. Yeah, Eric O'Grady's the best. But <laughs> I, I do not enjoy Guy Gardner. What I got from Guy Gardner was like... Maybe it was meant to be a, a parody of how other people see America. Yeah. It's like oh. this crazy racist right wing, yeah, guns, shoot the commies. Yeah. To a degree. Um, yeah, the Justice League have to pull out of the airspace of Bialia because they don't want to start an international incident. Uh, the trio end up going into the USSR because that's where the most nuclear things are. The Justice League end up following. 
uh, because of a previous engagement with the Russians, Guy decides to go and start beating the hell out of the Rocket Red Brigade. And the Rocket Red Brigade I really like here, because they're just guys in rocket outfits who crack jokes with each other. Like, oh, you can't say that you swear to God. Yeah, because you're an atheist, Dimitri. Yeah. Yep. And uh, one of the nuclear reactors started to go critical just as the Justice League arrived. And because he's afraid of losing another world, uh, Wangina ends up sacrificing himself to stop the nuclear reaction. And he ends up dying after saving the day. And Except it's kind of weird. It's like, in that issue, he doesn't... Like, you see him on the stretcher, and they say, oh yeah, we can probably fix that. We've seen loads of radiation sickness. Which I did love that they put that yes. there. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but then later, just like, nope, he died. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he died? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I yep. assume they fixed him, because I assume I loved how they're just yeah, kind of referencing Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we've seen this. We got discovered, guys. Yeah, and... uh those are the main stories because, like I said, a lot of the other stuff is long-running character-building stuff in the Justice League more than the Mighty Avengers where it's, oh, yeah, these people are going to fight and these people are going to fight and it's very clear action sequences. Yeah. Which, like, that was one of the neat things about uh, Giffen and Demetrius's uh, run on Justice League because it was very character-driven and you get all these fun moments with the members and I've got some of those that will show up in the image gallery on the website. But, oh yeah, anyway, I just loved how Batman made like his Star Trek Mr. Sulu reference. Yeah, like it was all very quippy and pop culture-y, and it made it like such a beloved book as it was. Yeah. The Champions of Angor uh, went into a really weird position after this, where they made a few more appearances before... The multiverse got destroyed and reborn as uh, the 52 universes. In the DC 52 event, they ended up introducing the sort of newer version where Lord Havoc is the Doctor Doom of the universe who is launching this multi-universal attack. And that was sort of a thing for a while. And then in Morrison's multiversity event, he reintroduced Earth 8 and Earth 7, which we may cover for the... Squadron Supreme issue, because it turns out, oh, yeah, the uh, Squadron Sinister are based on Squadron Supreme, who are good guys? Sort of-ish? Yeah, sort of-ish. Yeah, it's one of those things where they're, like, willing to do evil for the greater good, or they're willing to have a firmer grasp on society and freedoms and stuff. That's why it's always so confusing whenever a new Hyperion shows up. It's oh, like, yeah. uh, like the seven all along the morality spectrum. Yeah. Because now you got the super good one. He's been in the Avengers recently. He and Thor went down like bros. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this uh, Squadron Sinister is we're going to have a Hyperion who shows up in Exile soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's part of me being preemptive and planning ahead. Look at you. I know, I'm like a Doctor Planners. Oh man, I'm so excited to see what part of the morality spectrum this one's from. It will be a hoot. 
But you know what is always a hoot, especially when we've got a guest assisting both you and me for putting a universe onto a list, Devin? What, Luke? Trials of the Multiverse. Sweet, I will proceed to be no help whatsoever. Riveting. I know. Uh, so this week we are going to put on two universes because we actually got a universe submitted this week. <gasps> what if Galactus was a vampire? From Twitter friend T.A. Shepard, who was also kind enough to provide us an illustration. What does the illustration look like? It will be in the image gallery. I did enjoy this whole Galactus is a vampire thing. My only thing is, isn't he pretty much already a vampire? Well, I think this would be a Galactus who's specifically looking for blood as opposed to just life energy. He's like Ted so, Danzig. So he's a more murderous Galactus, okay. Mm-hmm. We're also going to put on uh, Pre-Crisis Angor, which is where the champions of Angor from the Justice League run come from. Because we might as well, and they never numbered that universe. And what about the one where Squadron Sinister comes from? Squadron Sinister didn't come from a named universe in this issue. They were just randomly plucked out of the universe, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was ill-defined. Yeah, Thanks, I think they Marvel. came from Universe Shrug, question mark. Mm-hmm. It was like Hyperion was like, I feel like you just came from a little pocket universe. He was like a murderous Micronaut. Yeah. Some um, classic Franklin Richards stuff right there. Yep. So, pre-Crisis Angor, where should it go? Top half of the list or bottom half of the list? And our current dividing line is uh, Hulk versus Alpha Flight Universe slash Wolverine had adamantium teeth. Well, I guess here's the thing. They kind of sucked at, like, doing their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say put it below all the universes that didn't blow themselves up. (laughs) So is the world worse than uh, what if Sue Storm was the visible girl? Because that is our bottom quarter dividing line. Yeah, because who's darned him blow up a freaking world? Okay. Uh, is it better than lingerie all-you-can-eat nude beach? Yeah, no. It's not better than that. Okay, so it will be our new 82. Pre-Crisis Angor. And then, uh, what about Galacula? What if Galactus was a vampire? Bottom half or top half? It's like a middle. Okay. Uh, so we'll go to our dividing line. Is it better than the Space Punisher fantasy world? Yes. Well, here's another question. How about Galactus being a vampire? Mm-hmm. He's such a big man, and if he tries to pick up a tiny human, they're so small. How does he get his teeth in there? Uh, in the illustration, he is actually biting the planet itself. But the planet doesn't have blood, which is then which my, was my next complaint, which is basically then no different than regular Galactus, except for how he does it. Well, he may have bitten it mistakenly, or it may have been about the tiny blood that he absorbed when he smashed humans with his teeth. Uh, he could be I, hunting the uh, planet of Vampirella, which has blood instead of water. I want, basically, here's what I want from Galactus. I want him to put the humans into the blender and blend. That's how Galactus should do it. Well, here's the important question. Does Vampire Galactus have a cape? I don't believe he did. Okay, bottom half then. (laughs) Uh, No, he did. He did have a cape. Oh, top half then. Yes. Okay, top half then. 
So yes, he has his cape, he has the medallion, and he has left bloody holes in the earth. So, I, I do think the Lacula may be some top half uh, worthy. Yeah, I'll give it top half. Okay. So, better than Wolverine had adamantium teeth? Sure. Well, how far up do we want to do it? I mean, are we saying it's top quarter, no. second quarter? Give me top middle. Uh, better or worse than Spider Demon? It's like right there. Uh, better or worse than Jean Grey's actually in the Trial of the Phoenix? Yeah, it's better than that. Uh, so is it better than Spider Demon? No. Well, good luck. You look at beat Spider Demon in a fight. Uh, I will uh, take that as a yes. Could he, though? Yeah. Yeah. He's Galacular. And Spider-Demon is very small. That's true. He got beaten by the Exiles. And when the Exiles had to fight uh, Galactus, even a weakened Galactus, it took, like, them and all of the slave gladiators. That's true. Uh, I'll say that Galacula is better than Cretaceous Sam. So then yeah. is it better than Lizard Earth? No, I did like Jurassic Lizard Earth. Okay, so it will be our new number 42, Galacula. Thank you, GA underscore Shepherd, for your submission. And if you have your own worlds that you would like to submit, you can do that at at MultiverseQ on the Twitter, uh, MultiversalQ at gmail.com. You can visit our website, MultiversalQ.com where we also have image galleries for each episode, including this one, and where you can find out about other things where we will be. So, if people wanted to find out more about you, Andrew, where can they do that? They can do it everywhere and nowhere. But specifically, they can find me on thegeekshow.com, as part of the Geek Show Podcast Network. Go shameless plug! No, that's what this whole segment is about. Like, if I were to shamelessly plug how I'm going to be at Cleveland Comic Con this weekend, or if you can find me, or about how you can find me at Coltrag on the Twitter or on the Stuff Podcast. Or how I can shamelessly plug my new coming soon podcast, Wine Tree Hill. And then there's also me on Twitter at FredoFest. Did you hear about the Gilmore Girls reboot? I did. I was just saying, for all the teen dramas I've watched, I've actually never really watched Gilmore Girls. Well, I know what season two of uh, Wine Tree Hill is going to be, Devin. Yeah. Uh, join us next time as we join up with the Exiles. But before that, we're going to have our Multiversal Q Spooktacular Halloween special. With special guests, chills, and thrills. See you then. <laughs> I hate you all, and I'll never be here again. That's hip, fair. Hip, cheerio. See you for the Squadron Supreme episode.